1: Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Street Press Podcast My name is Sean Fraser Hope you're doing well uh, If you're in Australia, we had the long weekend Three days off work, that was good um, What did I get up to? Saturday, had a few beers up at the Sunken Monkey uh, Hotel there in Erina uh, Sunday, went down to Sydney ended up, uh, <laughs> ended up dancing in a cage If I'm just uh, truly honest with you um <laughs> you know you you go for lunch at a friend's house, sit there, then you, you uh have a couple of drinks, you uh, head into the city, uh, have some dinner, have a few more drinks, and you wind up dancing in a cage. It's um quite a big jump, but uh hopefully your week has been well this week really cool. got Josh on lead singer of You Me at six. They are a pop punk outfit from the UK, a band that I have been listening to for a very, very long time. Uh, I remember, actually, if you remember these things, CDs, I had one of their singles, Save It For The Bedroom, on a CD, and uh, my friend Tim and I, we used to just listen to it uh, most Friday nights. I don't even think we were uh, were allowed to drink alcohol at that time. I think we were in our teens, and uh, it was great to be able to get him... On The Street Press podcast to have a chat. Uh, They've got a tour coming up. They're coming to Australia for the first time in five years. Uh, We chat about that. We also speak about they've had two number one albums in the UK, which is pretty insane. One of them was an album that dropped in the middle of the pandemic. And I have had a few people on this podcast say to me, you know, wh- one of the worst things they did was drop an album during the pandemic because it didn't do too well. They weren't able to go out and tour it. But uh, for You Man 6, different story. <laughs> it went right to the top uh, in the UK, which is no easy feat. And like I said, I think it's their second album that has done that. We also talk about dog shit um, in, <laughs> in this interview <laughs> and the size of the dog shit that he had to wipe up today. And we talk about their new album, Truth Decay, which came out in February this year. It's got a bit of everything, this record. It sounds like, you know, a new record, but also has hints of uh, what they were doing back in the early noughties and everything that they've done in between. It's like, I reckon it's the perfect mixture of You, Me, At Six albums. And it's just dropped this year. And that's the one they're going to be supporting when they come out here to Australia. So let's get him on. This is Josh, lead singer of You, Me At Six. Hey, Josh, I'm good, mate. How are you? What's, what's been happening today? Today,
0: uh, well, yeah, just you say, Tatiana, so far I've uh, cleared up some chronic diarrhea from my dog all over our art. Uh, we've just moved into a, new, a really nice new place with oakwood floors, and he's gone, yeah, I, I fancy some of that. So that's me scrubbing uh, that for about an hour this morning. Um, but we went to a book of Mormons last night, which is kids.
1: Oh, yeah, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, that was well funny. So balanced it out a little bit.
1: And how big's the dog? How big's the shit?
0: It, well, he's only he's only a French bulldog, but it was like chronic and it was low the spot. So it was like it wasn't even like so you could pick up. It was like and because we've just moved in, we haven't got any of our cleaning stuff there yet. So I was like literally using like paper towels to scoop shit into a bag. <laughs> rock and roll, eh? Rock and roll.
1: That's rock and roll. Yeah, I have got a big dog, so he's um he's done it before in the lounge room and. Uh... It's like, my dog's massive. He's like 55 kilos. So it's like Jurassic yeah. Park-sized dinosaur wow. shit. <laughs> hey, before we get into it, I want to talk about this tweet that you put up. Uh, hang on, I'm just going to grab it here. Are, are you the singer? Yeah, I thought you were pretty pretty and handsome. Go on. You just look, well, normal. Couldn't be more right. <laughs> Who said that yeah.
0: to you? So we, I was watching, uh, we played a festival in Austria the day, and these two women were like sort of loitering around me and Max on the side of the stage, and, I, and then eventually like, they were like, um, "Are you guys in the band?" And I was like, "Yeah, we just we just played." And they were like, oh, "Okay, cool." And uh, she, she turned around to Max and she was like, "What do you play?" <laughs> and Max said, like, "I play guitar." And she turned to me and was like, "What do you do?" And I was like, oh, "I sing in the band." She's like, "No, you're not a singer." And I was like, "Yeah." She's like, "No, but see, singers are like meant to be like." Pretty enhancing. And, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. And I was like, I was like, anything else? She's like, oh, well, I'll take a picture of you if you're actually in the band. I was like, I can't be asking this. <laughs> but I'm too, I'm too polite, man. I'm too polite. I should have told her to fuck myself, but I thought, no, my mum and dad brought me up better than that. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good, though. It's good because it keeps you. uh I, I never expect anybody to know who we are, but then I also don't expect to get grilled about whether or not I am your I say I am and if I'm pretty or not. It's a bit strange. People are, fucked. People are fucked, man. That's what I've realised. I mean, we're, we're, all, we're all equally got our, uh,
1: our shortcomings, but,
0: yeah, it's good, though. Great festival.
1: So. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad. Hey, I've been listening to the band since uh, Save it For The Bedroom. Well, I think I had CDs back in the day. Um it. I want to talk about your new album, but firstly before that, I want to talk about the one that you've just released, the one before, Sucker Punch. Number one. Yeah. It's it's wild. It's the band's second number one. And you released that album during the pandemic. A lot of people I've had on this podcast have said to me, I'll never release music in a pandemic ever again because it didn't do well. But yours went to number right. one.
0: Yeah, I don't know what that's all about, to be honest. I think, I think what really, honestly, because we had a bit of a run in England where it was like us, Architects, uh Car, I think, didn't get number one on that one, but we did a really, really amazing Mid, uh, first week Bring Me Got a number one if you got I think there was literally like five or six bands in a row mm. um, that from our scene if you like that did really well and I think it was just again it's just um, a, a reflection I guess a testament to like the way that the alternative scene looks after their own if that makes sense and um, yeah I think there was an awareness of it was a tough time for for artists to promote especially without you know on some in some instances you have the big, uh, mechanism, your major label mechanism to kind of like help elevate you and project your uh, your stuff. But like, yeah, we we were kind of we were on a very much on a we we're on a service deal with a company called Aol, and um and they're amazing. But it's, it's very much a uh, you know here's your balance and everything that you need to do with is within that balance and you need to assemble a team. Blah, blah, blah. So it was very much like just um yeah it, I think we spent I think most artists spend a lot of that time talking directly to their fans because there's a lot of like Instagram lives or looking oh it's a Wednesday morning I'll do a and a because there's nothing else for me to do because I can't leave my house so that was a real positive side of it I think was that it kind of humanized the whole thing so I think People, I can't speak for everyone, but I think You Me at Six fans kind of just even got that bit more closer to the band, which was really lovely. Yeah, you know, I think we put out a, a, a versatile and a pretty eclectic record in, in Sucker Punch. I don't think it's like, it wasn't one that I think was necessarily on the cards that people would have been expecting us to put out. And it's one of those weird ones, like, we haven't even been to Australia since we put that record out. So like, yeah. we might come over and play tunes with that record and it'd be like the biggest songs on the set. Or they might be like, Yeah, cool. yeah, true. Sure. <laughs> oh no, no yeah, so we'll find out, but um, yeah, really looking forward to that.
1: You recorded that one in Thailand. Did you go anywhere exotic for uh, Truth Decay? You know, yeah, we did.
0: So we be- basically like what we do in Unit Six is we just what it will usually be one person, like one person, be logical, practical, being like, oh well, we could just record at you know like a little studio in Birmingham or fucking wherever, right? And then somebody else go, yeah, we could do that. But also, what I found is I found this studio in santorini which is the same price but all we've got to do is get our gear and fly over there but we also get this this and this and this it's like usually it's matt because matt did it with thailand as well so matt did uh matt and dan found the studio in thailand and then basically uh one by one took us apart to do it uh and then santorini it was the same we've made a bunch of records in america in the past but i think this was we just thought bucket we don't know how many more we've got left. So let's use the band as like a vehicle to basically have a bit of a holiday. And then within that we'll make some music. But I, there's definitely something to be said for cutting yourself off from the rest of the world. And I think you can really achieve that. You know, us, us five going away just with Dan, Dan Austin, our producer was like, you know, no one's going skipping the studio to go home on a weekend or oh, I'm just going to go meet Bloody Bar at the pub. Like, doesn't happen because yeah, is just in a pretty remote location.
1: So, How do you guys go in a remote location, just you, you boys and the producer? Are you getting heaps of work done or um are you, are you getting up to a lot of drinking or, you know, eyes on the prize kind of thing?
0: I think, yeah, I think it's it's very much like, like when we went to Thailand, it was like it was basically just a big house with – announced studio which we did and black rock was a little bit more studio was amazing accommodation was kind of like an afterthought in the sense of you know it, but actually it was also like really um well it's just super greek imagine what it'd be like going to say your grandparents house in greece i mean it was like charming in that sense but yeah i think there's obviously a lot of a lot of fun i think a studio that has a pool is always a bit of a joke um because but I think what we do is we we kind of try to create a, an equilibrium, in which there was a lot of space for like unwinding. So that meant that when yeah. you were on, you were like a hundred percent. And with Sucker Punch, like we were pretty much, pretty intoxicated a lot of the time because it was <laughs> like, it was funny. And uh, you'd go from like sitting in the pool, having a beer, and like, oh, do you want to come and do a take of this quickly? And you're like, yeah, I guess. Like, yeah, you, I mean, i am tracked pretty much the whole record of my swimming trunks in both Sucker Punch and, uh, and 2K. Um, and then 2K was a little bit more for me was different because I was like, I was sober for like six months and just training every day with Dan and, you know, up at like six and reading and hiking and all this sort of, you know, very holistic sort of stuff, which definitely helps. Like I was like really determined to like make something that, you know, with zero regrets in terms of, really i really wanted to try and like advance my writing and try and be a bit cleverer and try and challenge the listener a little bit more with you know what i was trying to say and how i was saying it so i think that was really key but yeah i mean i, I think it's really healthy for the bands to get away when they make records because i think if you're like clocking in if we've made records before we like clock in and clock out so like you go home after it and it's very difficult it's very difficult the magic in making a record happens at two o'clock in the morning you know, when you've been banging your head against the wall for three hours and the sun, it's like, boom, that fucking breakout moment. So yeah. we have to do residential because we need to be able to just start at two in the afternoon or start at eight o'clock in the morning. It just depends on who's up, who's feeling what, you know, so.
1: The new album's uh, a really cool mix of uh, You, made it Six, I feel. I feel that, you know, you I get a little nostalgic when I listen to it, but then I... Also, you know, it's it's really powerful. It's really strong. It's really big. And do you find that, do you think it's a nice mix of everything you've done over these years? Yeah, well, thank you, Matt. It's sweet of you to say.
0: I think it was one of those things when we were like, we were really conscious of like trying to carve out exactly who we were because Sucker Punch was such, like, I call it like our car crash record. It's like a beautiful car crash, but like it's all over the place. It's like loads of little islands and the only common denominator is that you've made it. But, like, you know, you can't have songs like, again, Make You Feel Alive right next to, like, What You're Doing Right Now. Like, they're mm. two completely different bands. So we were looking definitely for more continuity and, like, there us be more cohesiveness in this record. But it was, we were also, like, aware of, right, we want to make the best You Meet Six records. So we need to be familiar for our mm. listeners. So we kind of went back and listened to all of our records and, like, sat down and landed on the fact that, you know, when we got into this whole thing, we were making records that we were trying to emulate our favourite bands. So then we said, well, why don't we just try and emulate the sound of our favourite band, which is us. So we just kind of used yeah. our previous records as like a palette, if you like, and a direction. Um, and went from there. And yeah, it was, it was wicked because it's very sort of like, hang on, I'm just going to close that window. Yeah. Typical way, eh? doing a podcast and some geezer starts fucking and away. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very much like, you know, we wanted to make a record that was like, embodies the spirit of the band and like the energy of the band that we have live. So like, there's a lot of high tempo songs in the record. There's a lot of bouncing up and down songs. And yeah, I think that the, 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 the main mission statement was to make like a nostalgic unit six record, but pull it into 2023 and make it relevant both sonically. And I guess like we didn't want to sound like a bunch of 30-year-olds doing what they did when they were 19. And that was something that we were really like aware of. So it was about how do we keep it contemporary and, and still, you know, just you, just use, I guess, the, the key assets that we kind of managed to pull together over the last sort of 18 years of making music and like make Like I said, it's a really refined version of us. Yeah, that was kind of the. And I guess there was also like, I don't know, we're going through a phase where you are, I always say you are what you listen to in terms Mm -hmm. of, you know, on Fucker Punch, Dan's coming in and playing fucking dance records and Chewie's playing us. Blues music and like old school, like fucking like deftones and shit like that. And then me and Max are playing like fucking, you know, Lil Yeezy Vert and Drake and been like, this is the that sort of <laughs> shit. And it's like, Matt, you know, playing us country music and trying to put it all together. We're, we're just yeah. trying to have the record have all of us on it, if that makes sense. And then I guess with Truth to Kate, was like, Oh, isn't that fucking Taking Back Sunday song an absolute corker? Like, mm-hmm. or, oh, I love that black record. Let's the self-titled whilst we're you know finishing up the day or whatever. And, you know, without it being like a premeditated thing, you start being like, oh man, I I feel like we could do that really well. So how can we how can we go back into making emo and pop punk music and making it feel
1: fresh? In the process of what you're saying there, with that thought process, does this, is that where a song like God Bless the '90s Kids comes from? You, know, you yeah, think about like, okay, all so your inspiration, yeah, totally.
0: And, we're, and we're, we're romanticizing like a period of our life where, um, it was just total innocence and like inexperience in the sense of that song is not about being in the 90s, that song is about being born in the 90s and being a teenager in the early noughties, you know, um, or the, the, the mid late nineties. sorry, and like kind of. You know, I was. We were talking about like, do you remember that first time we went to that rock bar in Japan, or do you remember that first time we went to that nightclub in Leeds where it was just only pop punk and emo and metal? Like, and we're talking about these times and how that made us feel, and we're like, we want to kind of write like a a national anthem of sorts for us, and therefore there will be a school of of people our age that will be like, oh, that's that's our team, sort of mm. thing. So. But, yeah, it was this and and you can hear, and again, you can hear a lot of our favourite bands even within that song, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think I can hear, uh, you know, splices of Blink-182 and uh, Taking Back Sunday, you know, bit touches of that too, um, especially with the heavy, with the riffs and whatnot. But, yeah, no, it is great that you've got all of those. Yeah, you have been able to get those influences in there. But your first headline tour, five years, here in Australia, you've been here a few yeah. times. I remember catching you guys. I think it's Soundwave all that time ago. Rest in peace. One of the one of the best festivals we had in, here in Australia. So if you're away from the game or away from Australia for five years, what's the feeling like? Are you nervous or are you excited because you know surely there's a big crowd there?
0: Yeah, it's honestly like um, Australia was the first place that felt like home outside of England. And I think you know we've been we've been since we've been going to Australia since 2010, and I think this is like our eleventh time. So wow. you know, we 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 really made a point of like coming almost two times every album if we can, sometimes three depending on, on how things have worked out. And like yeah, we we love we love touring Australia. Um, we've got a lot of friends there. But as I said, it's like one of those weird things when you're you know, that far away from home, and it feels like home, you know. Um, yeah. So for us, we're very excited to come back and love coming. I feel like a different person when I go to Australia, so it's I'm looking forward to feeling that way again.
1: And will you lift the drinking ban when you're in Australia because we're notoriously heavy, heavy drinkers here in Australia? I,
0: I, I think that's why we like coming to Australia. We, we see a lot of ourselves and the people
1: there, yeah. Absolutely. Thanks so much for your time, Josh. Um, thanks for jumping on the Street Press podcast. Thanks, bro. There he is, Josh from UMe at Six. Go and check him out. If you live in Australia, their national tour. Is coming to Australia in July. First time they've been here in five years. They're going to be touring their eighth studio album, Truth Decay. Uh, The tour kicks off on Sunday, July 9, in Perth. It'll then head to Adelaide, Brisbane. It's going to be in the Roundhouse in Sydney, uh, as well as the Forum in Melbourne. That's their last show on Sunday, July 16. You will not be disappointed. They are a kick-ass band. If you don't know you, may at six, whack them on Spotify right now. Actually, not just yet. Do it after this. Yeah, this is the part of the show called Letters. You write it, I'll read it, as long as it's not too fucked up. Um, go to the streetpresspodcast.com forward slash letters. This week is my friend Josh. He has written in, he said, Huge getting Foy Vance on the show. I cannot wait to hear this one. Yeah, I'm a big Foy Vance fan, and obviously Josh is too. Um, actually, that episode, I never really you know talk about statistics on this podcast, but... I will this time. Foy uh, shared the episode on his Instagram stories. He's got something like 75,000 followers. And uh, that one did really well in the UK, apparently. So uh, it was really lovely having Foy on. Uh, If you missed it, it was, I think it was two weeks ago. Yeah, something like that. Uh, Thanks for writing in, Josh. As for my band, the Ritzy Kids, we are releasing an EP this month. It's only a few weeks away. If you've been listening um, since we started recording in October last year, you're probably sick of hearing this message. But, hey, it's almost out. We can pop the champagne and, uh, and have a bloody good time soon. So uh, hopefully by next week, I've got some good news for you. Until then, I hope you have a good week, and I'll catch you here same time next week. ta